Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am grateful, so, so grateful that you are here with me today. So thank you for joining me and being here with me week after week. It is hard to believe that it is already March. And so I want to check in with you. How are you doing on your goals? So you've created a vision for this year. You're working towards your goals. And how are you doing towards them? Most people have let go of their New Year's resolutions already. 88% of people, in fact. And I want to check in with you to see how you're doing on your goals. And the truth is, one of the biggest things that can get in the way of us achieving our goals is fear. Sometimes it's fear of not knowing what to do. It's fear of getting started. It's fear of, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to fail. What if I let myself down? What if I let others down? What if I let my team down? But interestingly enough, there's also another fear, and that is fear of success. And I've actually worked with several clients, many clients, who have achieved success that they didn't think was possible. And they started self-sabotaging themselves when they had reached their goal. And it's called upper limit syndrome. And I'm going to do another whole podcast on it. But I'm just curious, when you think about your goals for the year, and when you think about everything that else that's going on in the world right now, where are you with regard to fear? Are you afraid of failing or are you afraid of success? And what I want to dive into in this episode is all about how do we deal with fear in general? Where does fear come from? What does it try to protect us from? And I'm going to give you four very specific ideas and tips on how to navigate and how to lead when you're afraid. There is a lot going on in the world today, my friends. We are entering into our third year of COVID. We are currently in the midst of the war with Ukraine and everything that's going on with that. And there's financial implications of that. There's business implications. There are obviously human implications that just make my heart hurt so badly for the people of Ukraine and for the people of Russia, for that matter, who really don't want this war with Ukraine. It's so devastating to watch what's happening. So in general, there is just so much uncertainty happening right now. And if you want to hear an entire podcast episode on how to navigate uncertainty, go listen to the one previous to this, which is episode 103, where I talk about how we can navigate uncertainty in our lives from a place of strength. And oh my gosh, if you look at how Vladimir Zelensky is leading, he is a pillar of strength. And he is also a pillar of how to lead when you're afraid. I have got to imagine when you have a bounty on your head and a bounty on your family that you have got to be scared out of your mind. He is a pillar of how to lead when you're afraid. 
So let's dive in and talk about fear. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. So before we dive into the episode and start having a discussion around fear, I really invite you to take a moment to pause and reflect around how does fear affect you? How does it affect you specifically? And how does it affect your leadership? And when I'm talking your leadership, I'm talking about you being a parent, talking about you being a leader at work in all aspects of your life. How does it affect your leadership? And I encourage you to pause the podcast, take some notes, and think about how how does fear hold you back? You know, it could be from a work perspective. It could be that you have a fear of public speaking. Um, You are afraid of getting up in front of a, a crowd, a big crowd, or even a small group at work, that you really have a fear of public speaking. And what is the impact of that? The impact of that is it could potentially hold you back from a promotion, it could, you know, prevent you from having the visibility that you want at work and that you deserve at work. Um, it could be something, I actually had a gentleman that I was working with. I didn't know him that closely, but um, he had a tremendous fear of flying. And instead of flying, because he let that fear really paralyze him um, back when I was in corporate, he took trains everywhere. And we all had very large territories. So his fear cost him time because obviously it's much faster to get anywhere you're going on a plane versus a train. And he avoided planes at every cost. And it impacted his work performance. Um, I thought it was great that the company allowed him to do that and you know encouraged him to do that and and didn't penalize him for that but it it did affect his performance in terms of he couldn't meet with his clients as often um it took more time that he was out and about in the field versus maybe doing admin etc so it definitely had an impact maybe another fear you have is that you were afraid of asking for a raise and the impact of that is it's affecting you financially as a leader, maybe you're you are afraid of taking what you see are scary risks on your team. Maybe you're afraid of uh, firing somebody that needs to be let go, and maybe you're afraid of that difficult conversation, and it's costing you productivity. And I'm guessing it's probably also costing you engagement from other members of your team who are frustrated that your fear is getting in the way of having a difficult conversation that needs to be had. And so, like I said, I I really invite you to think about how your fear is getting in the way of your leadership. 
So take a moment, pause the podcast, come on back when you're ready. I will be here. All right, hopefully you had a few minutes to reflect. And now we've, we've talked about the impact of fear, but now I want to talk about where it comes from. So the answer to where fear comes from is both physical and emotional. The physical aspect of fear comes from the fact that we are biologically made up to have fear in our lives as a protection mechanism. Going way back into caveman days and cavewoman days, and it, it is definitely a protection ability for our bodies. And the emotional part of fear is often based on how we were raised. And it's how your parents dealt with either their own fears or fears around you and how they either made you feel safe or they exacerbated the fear. So I'm going to start out with the emotional fear um, that our parents either helped or hurt us with. And then I'll go back to the biological fear. So a great example of this is, let's say your parents, when you were little, one of your parents lost their job. And there could be two ways of dealing with this. The first one is the parent is super stressed, super freaked out, um, completely uncertain, showing a lot of fear to the family and talking about all the what ifs that are going to happen if they don't find a job and creating a lot of anxiety, a lot of insecurity and a lot of fear in the family. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I lost this job you know, oh my, where are we going to live? What's going to happen to our mortgage? How are we going to pay our bills? Um, and really not protecting the family from the fear that is happening of the future because they lost the job. That creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of uncertainty for children. And they obviously react to that. And the message that they're left with is, I don't feel safe. Likewise, how it might look from a place of strength and not fear is one parent loses their job. They share the facts. Look, mom or dad lost their job. This is the reality of what's happening right now. But we know that mom or dad are going to find a job relatively quickly. They have a lot of skills, a lot of experience. And so things might look differently temporarily. We might need to cut back on some spending but we are going to do our best to keep everything as normal as, as possible for you kids. And, you know, if you have any questions, you can come talk to us and, and ask us. But we know that mom or dad are going to get a job relatively soon. And things are going to go back to normal. There's two completely different ways of dealing with a pretty, uh, you know, pretty negative situation. One is really feeding into that fear and the other one is taking the facts and calming that fear. And so now I want to go back to biologically what fear does for us and how it helps us. I found this article um, written by Steven Anderson on the importance of fear. And I'm super visual, so this really resonated with me. He's a psychologist. And what I love is he often asks his clients if they wish pain did not exist. And almost all of them emphatically say, yes, I wish pain did not exist. And that what he tells them is life would be impossible without pain. So for example, the pain you feel when you push, place your hand on a hot stove, because you feel pain, you immediately pull your hand away. And it spares you 
serious injury. And I love what he says here. Fear is the emotional equivalent of physical pain. It's trying to keep us safe. And the important connection here that I'm making is, you know, pain is a momentary response. You feel the pain, boom, you lift your hand off the stove. But sometimes fear, we don't let it go. And it is the emotional equivalent of physical pain. It's trying to tell us something. It's trying to help us. But oftentimes we hold on to it for far too long. And the reason why is he goes on to explain psychologically, we have a hundred billion neurons in our brains with approximately a hundred billion electrical connections between those neurons. And if we estimate that it require our, that each thought requires a thousand neurons and we take each memory and place it in an imaginary manila folder, and now suppose we place 25 of those folders in a file drawer, if we took all the thoughts in your brain and put them in four drawer file cabinets, the file cabinets would fill a 300,000 square foot warehouse. Obviously, this is a lot of information for our brains to go through. And it appears that feelings such as fear allow us to sort through the information and make sense of it. We, it's our way of categorizing it and saving brain energy. And feelings are like someone standing in the warehouse directing us to the information most pertinent to our specific situation. And fear advises us that it is necessary to proceed with caution. But it also alerts us that there may be tremendous gain if we proceed. Fear is also necessary in the formation of direction. And it can be the thing that helps us reach our full potential. Think about your life. Think about all the things that you fear. And what is your biggest fear when you get to the end of your life? That you let fear get in the way or that you went past and you moved through your fears to conquer and to really live to your full potential. And I love what he says here. It says, I believe that fear is the element that crystallizes our vision. Fear is the fire that turns the clay of your life into porcelain. If you are courageous and face the fire, you take on incredible beauty. And if you run from your fear, you turn to dust. And the fact is, the only difference that our body recognizes between fear and excitement is our breath and what our brain tells it it is. If you think about it, let's say you come home late at night, you walk into your house and the door is cracked open and you happen to walk in and there's an armed burglar in your house. Think about all the physical reactions you're going to have in that instance. Your heart's going to start beating quick. You're probably going to get sweaty. You're going to have a pit in your stomach. You might scream. And your body is preparing you and is at a heightened state of alert that something is wrong and that you need to take action. Well, think about this same exact thing. And my husband and I love to do this every year we go to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. We pay to have someone scare us. And we find that exciting. 
And if you think about it, the only difference is, I mean, all the same thing happens. I get sweaty. My heart races. I'm panicked. All of the same things happen. But I also, in my brain, know that I'm safe. I know that no one at Universal Studios is going to kill me. And that's the only difference. My body has no idea that there's the difference. The only thing different is in my brain. And the reason why I share this with you is we can use the biology and the knowledge that the only difference between fear and excitement is in our brains and in our breath to our advantage. And so now I want to transition to talking about how do we use this to our advantage when we're leading and we're afraid? So the first thing I want to do is dive in and talk about how leaders end up affecting their teams and how they lead, oftentimes when they're afraid. What can happen here is you get an authoritarian leader who is so scared that they need to control everything and that control just stifles a team. And because the leader is afraid and maybe afraid of losing their own job, afraid of making mistakes, afraid of making big decisions, afraid of leading with conviction, this can impact engagement. It can impact the fear that team members feel of expressing ideas, their ability to live into their leadership potential, their ability to be more creative, their ability and freedom to share new ideas, even cutting edge ideas. If the leader is so controlling and domineering, it really prevents the team from taking risks and doing things differently and adjusting to this completely VUCA world that we live in, where we're trying to manage volatility, uncertainty, chaos, and ambiguity. And when you think about that from a productivity perspective, you know, individuals on your team, if you're leading that way, are going to be going to the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And they're going to be spending a lot of their time at work just in self-protection mode. They're going to be ruminating about decisions that they're making. They're going to be ruminating and stressing out about opportunities that they know they need to explore or bring up in a meeting, but are afraid to. They are going to be in self-preservation mode and spending so much energy and time wasted being in that mode. And so the end result ends up being lower productivity, lack of engagement, losing top talent. And the reality is people leave bosses, they don't leave organizations for the most part. Obviously, there's always exceptions. But for the most part, that is the case. And so let's talk about when you are a leader and you're afraid, but you can really lean into that fear and own that fear. What does that look like? What is the impact of that? Because some people think, well, that's going to show weakness. But the reality is it's actually the opposite. So let's first talk about as a leader, what is underneath your fear? And this goes for everyone. What's underneath our fear is this underlying thought that we're not good enough, we're not worthwhile, and we're not important. And everything stems from those three thoughts. And so you might be asking yourself, what's on the other side of that fear? How do I get past it? We'll get into the how in a moment. But I want to talk to you about what's on the opposite side of that fear. 
If you face your fears and you really go against them, your fear leads to strength. And your strength can only come from facing your fears. Confidence can only come from facing your fears. That's how we build resilience. So the confidence, the strength, and security that you have as a leader are all formed by facing your fears. Fear is an opportunity for us to change and to grow. And the reality is that we can always control what we think and we can always control how we act. So we might be really stressed with a lot going on environmentally, competitively, in our organizations, internally, but we can always control how we think and how we act. And so the first step that I want to talk about is really building your emotional courage as a leader. And there is no one else to blame or to point fingers at, because when we get scared, we often tend to do that. This begins with you. Building your emotional courage as a leader starts with pausing and realizing that you are afraid, realizing that fear has you in its grip, and taking time to pause, to slow down, and to acknowledge the fear that's happening in your life. Acknowledge where it's living in your body. Is your chest tight? Are your shoulders tight? Do you find yourself getting snappy? Do you have a knot in your stomach? Maybe a constriction in your throat? You know, where are those feelings residing and how are they manifesting themselves physically? And when you can learn the critical skill of thinking about your fear, understanding where it's residing in your body and how it's affecting you, it's building a skill of feeling the fear without becoming the fear. And so the greatest thing about this is that you can feel scared without acting scared. Let me say that again. You can feel scared without acting scared. So this isn't about ignoring fear. I know a lot of people say, oh, just push past the fear, ignore it and move on. Feel the fear and just keep moving. But that's really not the case. You shouldn't ignore the fear. You should acknowledge the fear. You should stop and reflect and think about what the fear is trying to tell you. And then you have a choice because you always have choice is how can you feel scared without acting scared? So don't ignore your fear. It's trying to tell you something. It's just up to you to decide if it's fear or excitement. So again, building your emotional courage is the first step. The second step is focusing in on your goals and the process of your goals. Sometimes your goals can feel really overwhelming when you're so overwhelmed with fear that you don't have the first, you don't even know the first step to take. So focus in on your goals, but the process of your goals. Just identify the next one to three steps that you need to take on your team to help move your team forward. Because the reality is when we start moving and we get that momentum, that momentum gives us confidence. When we take action, the confidence comes after the action. So just start into action. It might not be right, but this is your opportunity to really just take action and let your wisdom guide you. You are an experienced, capable, strong leader, and your intuition and your 
wisdom is going to guide you in the right direction. And you just have to acknowledge and trust that. The third step is to communicate clearly. So once you have your own emotional courage, you've targeted your focus, you know the action steps that you need to take, it's time to direct that attention to your team. It's time to set some meetings and send some emails to communicate and communicate frequently about your leadership and what you're expecting moving forward. And there's a Harvard Business Review article talking about leading with fear. And they talk about the structure of communication that you need to have when not only you are having fear as a leader, but probably when your team is experiencing fear as well. As I said, there's a lot of unknowns right now in our environment, and there will continue to be unknowns. And so what this structure is, is first in all of your communications, talk about the vision. People need to have a clear sense of where they're headed. And make this articulate and succinct. It needs to be very clear, not have a lot of company buzzwords and acronyms. It needs to be very clear and succinct. The second part of the framework is show empathy. People need to know that you're in touch with the reality of what's going on in the organization and what's going on in your department. They need to know that you could feel what they're feeling. You don't need to drag this out and make it a big thing, but you do need to acknowledge the reality of what people are feeling in the moment. Direction. The third part of this in your structure of communication is giving people direction. Letting them know that you see a path and you believe that they will get there and that you have this vision and you know it's possible. People, especially during times that are uncertain, need to feel like they have faith in their leaders. I mean, look at Zelensky. This is a prime example of people following him because he seems so confident about the direction in which he's headed in this whole Ukraine disaster. He has no idea. He's never been through this before. But his confidence and his assuredness as a leader is inspiring people to follow him from all over the world. So clearly communicate your direction. The fourth part of the structure is proof. People love to have something that's proven that they can follow. And this might be a little bit difficult as a leader to implement, but think about it. You should maybe talk about past experiences where you've tried something, risked something, made a big decision, and it's all worked out. Um, people want to have proof of the direction and your optimism. And so be specific, be personal, and reflect on also the work that the team is already doing that's going to help the team achieve this goal that you're talking about. So that was four parts to the framework. But the fourth insight and tip I have for you in how to lead when you're afraid is reflect and celebrate. When you get through a monumental moment that you were afraid as a leader, take the time to pause and to give yourself a pat on the back and to celebrate your accomplishments. I would love for you to do that right now. Think about a time when you were leading, where you led your team through a really difficult situation. What was that situation? What were you doing? What were you feeling? Often those are the times and the stories that come up so easily for us because we can clearly remember how afraid we were. We can clearly remember the risks that we took that seemed improbable at the time. And we also look back on those experiences with hindsight, knowing that those were the experiences 
that gave us resilience, gave us our strength, gave us our confidence and our security. So think about what those stories are for yourself as a leader. And don't be afraid to share those examples when you're communicating with your team of things that you've done before and how you've gotten through it as a leader. That will help them believe in your leadership skills as well. But the most important part here is helping you believe in yourself, helping you have that confidence, that clarity, and that conviction to lead even when you're afraid, to not let the fear take over and affect your leadership. And after you're done reflecting on what has happened, take time to celebrate, acknowledge yourself, go out to dinner, buy yourself something new, give yourself, again, a pat on the back, celebrate with your peers. And a great way to celebrate is to join a community where people also celebrate you. And so I wanted to let you know, if you are looking for a community that is absolutely willing to celebrate with you when you do and go through hard things, join our Women Leading Powerfully cohort. We are currently enrolling for our end of March cohort, cohort eight of the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab. And we would love to have you be a part of that experience. It's a 12-week group coaching program for women. We cap it at 12 to 15 women. And this is really an intimate experience, a weekly experience of coaching um, as well as one-on-one coaching that you are getting to help you have the clarity, the confidence, and the conviction to, to decide what's next for you in your life and your leadership. So reach out, either go to womenleadingpowerfully.com and sign up. Or if you need more information and you want to have a chat with me about it, just reach out to me at natalie at corecreationcoaching.com and I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. So thanks for being here with me this week. And just remember, we can all do hard things even when we're afraid. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Oh, 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 oh,